Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Trevor Tortomasi. This week, I'm speaking with Esther Chen, a performer of many talents. Esther was born in Taiwan, but has spent many years in both Taiwan and the U.S., honing her craft in film, theater, and stand-up comedy, and even hosting a successful podcast along the way, all in multiple languages. So, we mostly know you from your stand-up. Did you start with comedy, or...? No, I started with acting for a long time. I was, I was four. Um, this is a children's English language kindergarten here in Taiwan, where I started learning English. And it was we had to recite The Night Before Christmas, and I was narrator one. On the night before Christmas, the end. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and you got how uh, you were four, and you did all that. I was four, maybe five. But that was my. I mean, I, I have a very clear memory of being on stage when I was a kid. So you've been doing comedy for a while. Where do you get your comedy fuel? I mean, I can give you like the so, crappy version. Uh, sure, we'll I live it. my life and I find inspiration. Um, Some people do that. I doubt there's ever really just one way, but I mean, how often, the, the question is, how often do you have to sit down and actively force inspiration out of yourself? It depends. So okay. there are days where, so for example, um, I either have like a really easy time coming with stuff or I don't. And when I do, it's like, how can you not talk about it? Like you, did you hear my car accident joke? I, I was hit by a car in Taipei next to Don Park at the southeast corner. And he was, he was uh, right by the expressway. He was making a, taking a right around the park and it was crossing the street and he hit me. So of course it's going to have like so much material that comes out of it. Cause it's just such a startling event. Yeah. But like the moment I got hit, it's just like all these joke thoughts just came out, which is like pretty messed up, I guess. Right. Cause like, I think you've definitely answered the question. <laughs> Where do you get your comedy feel? Just the other day I got by hit by a car. car. <laughs> No, seriously, because like, because I think the first thing that happened is like, I screamed, right? And yeah. I haven't heard myself scream in such a long time. A joke came out. I was like, the, mo- the moment the car the hit- Rubber chickens! <laughs> like, the moment the car hit me, I let out this scream, like Mariah Carey had a bikini wax, right? I was like, And I was just like so surprised by my range because normally I'm a tenor. Turns out I'm an operatic soprano. Oh, oh. So like as he was saying this to me, like the joke started to form. He was like, Shaji, I didn't see you. Like my, which is like your car frame, your window frame on the side. He was like, I didn't see you. And I was like, oh my God, he thinks I'm thin. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like the nicest compliment I've received from a Taiwanese guy. Because I've never had a Taiwanese man be like, oh, ni hao so, so that will come again, you know, like. <laughs> I'm glad that joke worked. God that damn, one did. Lord that one did. have mercy. Weirdly. Well, the, you're a hard audience, man. Mostly what makes me laugh at comedy shows is the silences in between jokes uh, rather than the jokes themselves. I don't know why that's my sense of humor, but I'm not a terrible. good. You're a terrible audience. I'm a terrible Ooh, audience. Lord. Yeah, Ooh. sorry. And then I had other stuff. And like when I went home, my mom, she just asked me all these weird questions. And it's real. Like the, everything happened in the joke. She was like, like I, I, I was like, mom, I got hit by a car. Right? I, like I, I ran in my house and I was like, I got hit by a car. And she wasn't like, oh, are you okay? Are you injured? She was like, what kind of vehicle was it? And it's just like, how can that not be shared somehow? Yeah, wow. Your mom is the fuel of a lot of your comedy. Um, Well, speaking of speaking of locals and comedy, a Taiwanese comedian uh, he once told me that it's easier to get laughs from a Taiwanese audience. Who is this person? I'm not going to name him. You have to. I'm not going to name him. Okay, say it and then cut it out. (laughs) It's so different. I would say they work differently. And you have to work with them differently. You sort of have to like, at, at least for the Taiwanese audience, you have to tailor 
to their taste. And if you do, then it's easy. And if you don't, it's not. Is developing a set more difficult in English or Chinese uh, for you specifically? For me, definitely Chinese because I'm new to the Chinese scene. So that's... How much? How many minutes of... of, of uh, Chinese do I have? How many minutes of material do you have in English and how much in probably Chinese? Probably like an right hour in English. Okay. I would guess. Of all the things I've ever written, probably two hours, but I don't do them because not, not all of them Right, right. Great. So the stuff that you, you feel good about. I would say the stuff that I have... So currently on the tour at the moment... I have 40 minutes of good material that I'm proud of. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. 40 minutes of stuff I'm not like disgusted by and and like I have fun telling it. Um, the other stuff are either like, I've said it too many times, it's too old, it's no longer relevant. Was developing comedy sets easier in Taipei or New York place-wise? Developing, uh, if you're talking about developing jokes, definitely New York. Simply because it has a more accurate result so when you throw out a new joke you might have levels of laughter so let's say like you go to an open mic and there's five sad comics i mean you might get well, like one huh i like one punch and then like no huh's is anywhere else but you might get a few like but let's just say like the same joke at a certain point once you develop it to a certain extent you bring it to an audience the places that people laugh and the level that they laugh is in correspondence to the reactions you get somewhere else. It's more consistent. It's not always consistent because there's always other variations. Like somebody barges in, like somebody does something distracting, someone talks loudly, you know, that's all counts into distractions. Um, but for the most part, the consistency is much easier in New York City um, because I think, you know, it's it has a longer history of stand-up comedy. So when people consume it, they're sort of at, the same, the more same level. The first couple of people that go up, they're not going to get the same amount of laughs as the people who go in the second half, and that's just How the it thing. Works. That's just that's just culturally they're not used to warming up. For example, in New York City, they say the golden spot is the fourth spot. Right at an open mic, if you have twenty or fifteen people, the fourth person gets the best reaction because they're just warmed up enough and they're not tired. Okay. In Taipei, it's like the ninth person. Oh wow! Yeah, so that if that tells you anything. And they're friendly people. It's not like they don't want. They're very supportive. They're la- they're smiling. They're you can see their teeth. Yeah, you can see them like hovering their face with their hands, like <laughs> just like muffled laugh, or like they stick their face into somebody else's armpit, like trying not to make sound. But it's like, no, we need you to make the sound. I also, think like laughter time. is like a very like contagious. If if there's yeah, one one crazy person consistent laughing, you kind of can't help but join. It's like a yawn. If one person yawns, everybody yawns. Oh, yeah. Have you had uh, experiences in Taiwan that have changed uh, how you may approach writing or performance when you're back in the U.S.? Hmm. So what's interesting is that the U.S. makes Asians so like homogenized that you refer to yourself as an Asian person. And as a Taiwanese person, I care a lot about Taiwanese politics more so than U.S. politics. It's hard for me not to write about it. But when I do it doesn't work in the States. Like, for example, my voting joke, I actually wrote, I wrote it two years ago and it has never once worked in New York. Have you heard my voting joke? They asked me if I've been to China in the last uh, three months. And I was like, it's, fu- it's a funny question because in January, I went home to Taiwan to vote for the presidential election and to get the virus. And in my opinion, I didn't go to China, but in China's opinion, I went to China, which is impossible because as I said, I went home to vote for the presidential election and it's never worked it's never once worked in New York City and to me it's like how do you not know 
Right. How are you surprised by this? Because even when I, like Hong Kong was going on for a year and nobody knew about it. The protests in Hong Kong have been going out. The tear gas has been going on. And then we're talking about like Xinjiang. Nobody knew anything. Nobody. Yeah. And of course, I understand, right? There's in, in America's perspective, there's Syria, there's Mexico, there's 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 the families being separated. There's so many things that there's like the, the Alabama stuff happening. Like there's so much to think about. But to me, it's like, how can we discuss so much about China and the States and not even know the basic principles of how the country works? You worked as a dialect coach for actors in the American Correct. film industry to yes. improve their Chinese. Yes. How did that go? Um, I worked on several uh, two shows mainly. Um, how did it go? When, what in what aspect specifically? What? One of the questions I was wondering is: Is it harder to teach pronunciation or tones? Yes, it's very hard. Which um, one? Oh, tones. Okay, or bo- both. Both is fine tones too. is much harder than pronunciation. Okay. Absolutely. Were you teaching people who had uh, previous experience both. at all? Both. Okay. I taught both, and it was hard for for everyone alike. I don't think people with experience found it any easier. Honestly. Do you feel happy with the result? Well, it's hard for me to say the result because once you have a take, there's so many elements that go into it, right? There's the right angle, there's the right lighting. If it's like one whole shot without any cuts for like 10 minutes, like I would say- And if everything went right except the pronunciation, then like screw the pronunciation. You know, it's like that's such a minor thing in comparison to all the technical aspects. Like the lighting has to hit right here. It's gonna be no boom shadows. Like there's like hundreds of people working on this one shot. So, I would say, like, people definitely here are frustrated when they... I understand. I don't think anyone anyone in their right mind would blame you for the exact result. I kind of want to know what the journey journey was like, though, trying to get these people to speak a language that they weren't used to. People definitely got frustrated. And I'm also a really hard teacher. I mean, looking back, I think I would have given them a little more lax. But not that I was, like, mean or or harsh, but I, I have very high standards. And But that's also, like... I was being told you know, they didn't just sound native. You're talking about like someone who's never spoken Chinese to sound fluent and native. It's native. Tough. Yeah. That's a lot to ask for within a short amount of time. So how short of amount of time? I would say a month or two months. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But these are people who like, it's not like they live in Taiwan. Like they hear it all the time. Like people live in New York City. They live in Los like Angeles. Like you were their only frame of reference. Pretty much. Wow. And it wasn't like they wanted, not, not that they don't want to learn Chinese, but it's like, it's not something that they put down on a list as a hobby. Like I'm going to learn Chinese, you know, it's just part of their job and they're going to do it, but it's not the same thing as like, I moved to Asia to learn how to speak Chinese. It's a very different kind of commitment. And they also have other stuff to do. They have other scenes to shoot. They have other, they have fittings, they have rehearsals. They have so many other scenes that are not in Mandarin to memorize. Like this is one small part of what they do. And sometimes they do a really great job, sometimes they don't. And that really depends on the take that comes out. You know, every every take is so different. Because, like, it's sort of this interesting thing. Like, sort of you sleep on it and you forget it and you work on it again. So, like, every morning you sort of, like, step back three steps. And you might work really hard today and you step forward five steps. And when you wake up again, you step back three another three steps. So, I think the trick is, like, you kind of had to keep practicing it until you get to this golden spot where you're not like too tired that it's 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 a little twisted in your mind and you just shoot it yeah that's when you get the best result but that's also hard to coordinate because the whole set and the whole schedule of the set does not surround your language exactly exactly I guess, okay, you've also been a part of, of projects. Um, have you been a part of projects like HBO, MTV, Netflix as an actress? Yes. Okay. 
Uh, my very first job was in succession back then. This is like, what, 2017, 2016, 2017? You're saying 2017 like it was a decade ago. Well, I just, don't, I just feel don't remember. So I just okay. don't remember when this was. Um, and that job gave me my union card. That job gave me my okay, union great. card. I mean, before that, I was like adding up points to becoming SAG. It was fun. We didn't think the show was going to explode. I, I knew nothing about the show other than like, oh, it's a British project. All right. Just like any other show. I've never heard of it. All right. Who knows? And then, uh, and I, then, haven't, it, and then it I haven't seen it. What did you What did you play in it? I was just like working in the White House. I was like a person <laughs> in the White House. <laughs> Succession makes I me I auditioned th- with this gigantic monologue. Uh-huh. I had this really difficult like. Do you have like already three monologues on lock, one for each? No, 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 no. Like, no. The, the, it was a monologue from the show that okay. they wanted me to say, oh, and wow. it was like we had like twenty four hours of, and I didn't have a suit, so I like run around town looking for a suit, which is like crazy. I, I crapped in my pants so many times, just like oh, I don't know where to find a suit that fits me, and you have to look very pristine for these auditions because they want to see the final product. That's sort of well, also because there's so many people auditioning. I'm sure that like no matter how good you look, there's someone who's more prepared on right, the exactly, right day. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like if you have two both very good actors, right? Let's say like you've you've seen 200 people, and two of them are just so great. One person has a really nice tailored suit, and one person just doesn't. So who do you think is going to get the job? Yeah. I mean, this is out of 200 people, right? They're they're both good in their own way. It's already two out of 200. Yeah. Pacings. With competition like that, why, you really do want to go back to New York. New York is going through a really funny phase right now because some people have left. Some people have moved away from New York because our people are unemployed. Um, so many reasons. People can't pay rent. People don't have their usual job that they had. A lot of people have left. Um, and... Because of COVID, they usually want to work with people that are currently locally based in New York right now because they want people, it's easier to quarantine them like tomorrow for two weeks if they wanted to with the entire set. So people like me, I have a disadvantage because I'm so far away. So even though I'm like, I'm based in New York, but currently in Taipei, like they're not going to consider my tape just right. because of that. What do you so mean a lot quor- of my, quarantine them? So right now how they're doing it is... If you're going to get on set, the whole crew quarantines together with the cast for 14 days. And if during this time anyone tests positive, then they redo the whole thing again until it happens. I mean, listen, like just because it's COVID, the industry's not going to shut down. People are going to make the money. They're going to keep going and going at it. So they're going to find a way to make it happen. And that's currently how they're doing it. All the auditions are going through Zoom. They're doing different windows to make it happen. Yeah. Wow. That's how everything works right now. Even commercials. Commercials would never, you used to never come in self-tapes. Or even like if it did, it's only the initial round. But now we're seeing this trend, like everything's through Zoom. Then you want to get back to this. I mean, it's just like, it's such a different time because... I couldn't begin to, to judge to judge this desire, but I'm just so fascinated by it because sure. it is so different so from here. You, like, for example, back in the days, you could hire any, any celebrity you wanted from LA, yeah. right? You could hire anybody and you could fly anybody over. And it's not a problem. Distance is not a problem. Airfare is not a problem. They all have these deals with the company. It's not a big deal. You can fly anyone anywhere. You're competing with LA and Vancouver and New York City and Georgia, Atlanta. But now you're competing only with one pool and the pool's gotten smaller. So it's a completely new situation. And you're now. ready to like elbow your way in No, there. I don't know if it's like that sense, but it's like, okay. 
we've all hustled so hard for 10 years. People don't understand how difficult this is to live through this. Like you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? It happens every so often. People don't understand, like you don't know when your next paycheck is coming in. So suddenly when everything changes to be in your advantage, it's really hard not to be like, oh my God, I have to get a piece of that to help myself advance, to get out, to, 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 to level up. How has your uh, family handled all this, your career pursuits and such? At the beginning, they did not know I was doing what I was doing for a very long time. It's just a, a world that they don't understand. Again, their understanding of actor is you go to the bars in the night, you entertain the wealthy people with alcohol and you know, kind of like Linson Belu. That's kind of how right. their understanding of actors. You 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 associate yourself with the mobs. You have very strange relationships with them, and that's how you get work. That's their understanding of acting. Like this is what actors have to do: actors and models. And, now that and, you're and maybe per- once upon a time that was a case in Taiwan. I mean, I didn't live through it. I don't know. It's it's very different from like the auditioning actor that we know in New York, like the hustling actor, like the you know waiter hustling bustling is it because that pavement is it because there's so much work out there in new york that is just if you hustle enough you'll eventually get something is that sort of you don't or you don't or you don't um i'm not really sure i mean the market functions really differently even now the market in taiwan versus the market in new york it still runs extraordinarily different and i think it has to do with that culture recognition or success completely aside what is your what is your favorite thing that you've done Okay, so I don't know if this is the f- most fun, mm-hmm. but I think it was one of the scariest projects just because of who it was. Like fear, a, fear for your own safety kind of scary? No, no, no. no, no. Oh, okay. Like I, I did a promo with Jerry Seinfeld for his special and he has a very big presence and he, he knows what he wants. Yeah. And so he demands for it and you have to give it quick, like on, like at the spot. Like he asks it, you have to give him an answer. Because if you don't, someone else will be faster and then they'll get a... You know. I mean, I don't know if that was the case when you're already on set, but there's still that, like, Jerry, Jerry asked you a question, answer now. And he knows what he wants, and he knows what he doesn't want. Yeah. And he's very quick with his answers. So, like, after a take, he'll give me five notes, and you would have to do all of them in the next take. And it's, it's a lot, because you have so little time, right? So it's literally, like... The moment you open the door, open it to 40 degree angle. Then at the same time, you got to hit the light switch and step exactly onto this mark in two steps and say your line before you get there. And that all has to happen. And then the next take, they would change more Did, did you hit all these, these I marks? did, but it's like, it's a good challenge because I've been working as an actor for this long and no one's had to push me this far yet. Like I have the ability to do it, but no one's been this demanding for me to have to get it out of me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I, I have the ability to do it. I've never been asked to on set and I never think it would happen. Like someone would give you so many notes, even with just two lines. Because it's a promo. It's a promo. You know, like promos don't go on forever. It's so it's so scary. And I'm genuinely like, I, it's scary. I, I, I empathize like, with like, the fear, I can, but I can, also I can feel that people don't breathe. But also um, hearing it all in Jerry's voice is really funny. <laughs> I don't know if that was the case. <laughs> OK. But like, yeah, you can feel that people aren't breathing into their diaphragms. Like, And that was your favorite thing that you've ever done. I mean, I don't know if that's a, <laughs> see, that's a thing. Like, it's just so interesting. There's a, there's a whole I, mean, I don't know if that's like my whole like, but uh-huh. it's just it's I've never worked with someone like that. Like, people weren't themselves when he was around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if he was in the room, you you weren't just you anymore. You were, like, a version of you with him in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's terrifying. I'm just, I'm trying to think of someone who has such a big presence, and you sort of don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you dream of getting there someday? 
I do. Okay. I do. Unironically. It's hard though, but I mean, it's unabashedly. Hard. I do. You I want mean, to walk into a room and make and make everyone perform scared uh-huh. Uh-huh. fear <laughs> i mean i don't know if it's that but it's like he's so iconic and he's such a in some ways like a historical figure that's still alive because of what he's done in the american comedy scene so he, he is so everything. so like how can you not i i wouldn't even call it you were starstruck it's not even that it's like history is interacting with you i don't know right no better word to like describe the feeling so is it my favorite project i mean it's just it's it's such an unfree i mean i'm never gonna forget this for sure where can people where can people find you with or want to see more yes i am on instagram and facebook uh facebook the esther chen and you've got a podcast i do thank you for reminding me uh, <laughs> <laughs> i have a podcast in chinese uh it's called how she kai chang it's showtime it's easier to find with the chinese characters how she kai chang and that's all for this week. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk with the amazing Esther Chen. Until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100.